This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Views and opinions expressed in the podcast and social media are our own and do not represent that of our places of work. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions, or corrections of errors. Nothing happens happens in a small town. So we are now recording in my basement. We're in the basement. In a tiny room. Tiny Um, room. But (laughs) I have a new job. Yes. And I get to work from home, which is awesome. Um, So jealous. (laughs) But (laughs) my office is now... Overtaken with more stuff. Yes, I have more equipment, (laughs) of course, because I'm working from home. So they gave me some very nice new monitors and... It might have been just a wee bit cramped if we stayed up there. Because as was, I I was packing and unpacking my tiny little table. Yes, but now we actually are in a room. And while it's a tiny room, it is... (laughs) Goes with the small town feel. Yes, it is is definitely... um, you know, a room that we can use. Dedicated to this. Yes. I see us eventually um, doing some fun things with the walls. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm just sitting here going, I think we can paint these. It is a blank slate. We can definitely have some fun in here. And (laughs) I mean, this is technically also my guest room, but I don't have guests all that often. And the rare times they do come visit, you know, we can just kind they of can deal things away. So <laughs> yes. Well, we do have our nice little collapsible tables. Exactly. So, so it, it's kind of nice just that we have a dedicated space now. And um, also our last episode was our year anniversary. Oh, yeah. Wow. So we have Seriously? been doing this for a year. A year. Wow. So thank you to everybody who <laughs> listens and, you know, we appreciate you tuning in to us and um, I appreciate all the feedback and um, keep it coming. Yes. I mean, and we're actually going to implement some of the feedback. We recognize that we do want to make sure that listeners have a good time listening. Yes. And they understand that we're transitioning and stuff like that. Because, yeah, we throw in those couple of breaks just to give some other flavor, if you will. Because w- right. it was just one of our decisions from the get-go that we would do fun stuff like Tara likes to talk about geography <laughs> every single time. <laughs> well, I mean, part of this whole discussion of small towns like this one is a seriously yes doesn't even bother trying to call itself a town right small town right it is yeah it's tiny and yeah what was the terminology i'll find it okay (laughs) (laughs) i was like it's an unincorporated census designated place yeah right okie dokie then (laughs) so tiny town um and yeah so 
just kind of wanted to share some of that. And did you have anything you want well, to share? Well, I mean, this week? next week, I, the end of this week, I'm moving into a townhouse on base. Because yeah. the living in a, we have given the fifth wheel a good try. It was four months. Mm-hmm. I think we are now set for our plans when we actually retire, retire. There's just some stupid rules around how long you can stay on a spot at Fort Meade, which really that's what we wanted to do was live there so I can bike to work on good weather days and it's just simplifying our lives right now so we're going to go move on to uh into base housing we shall see how that goes Mm -hmm. um but yeah already the husband is like yes because moving with cats let me see our kitties are not travel weary yeah actually they really 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 don't like it Nikki can meow for six hours straight and has proven his ability to meow for six hours straight and that was very uncool yeah (laughs) and then two other kitties got uh uh, got road sick um car sick and that was very unfun Mm -hmm. what was it um andrea one of our pilates instructors she put it this way a friend of hers said a vacation is when she goes on a trip without her children it's Mm -hmm. a trip if she has the children, if I'm cleaning up dirty cats from their own, ew, yeah, it is not a vacation. It is most definitely a trip. That is true. Yeah, so, yeah. Apparently, our felines are not though not traveling felines. <laughs> well, you know, you tried, you learned, and yeah, really. I mean, once uh, we're retired, and I don't need all the clothes that I need for work right. versus play. That's the other thing is it was a lot heavier than it would be if it was just us as retired people. Sure. Um, All the cat stuff. And I've gotten really used to moving the cat box in and out of the shower Mm -hmm. for my showering. That's not necessarily what one would prefer to do. Sure. But yeah, it was definitely doable. I actually would be fine continuing to do it. It just is the pain in the butt. We've gotten really fast at moving. Well, I mean... We also don't get to put stuff out as much. Right. If you're constantly moving spaces. Right. Like, I've got my couple paintings from Wiley I've got up on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it would be a huge difference if you could stay in one spot for a a A longer period. Right. And or your travels were to travel. Right. Not... Right. Not to just move three spots over for two days here and three days on that spot. And you're like, really? There's just a lot of bizarre rules with regard to how long you can stay on a spot. And then you have to leave for five days. Yeah. I think it has to do with not being truly a resident in the location. Maybe it changes their, uh, their liability. I don't know. I don't pretend to know the rationale as to why. Right. Well... (laughs) You know, like you said, you guys, you gave it a good try, and, and it'll be great for retirement. Right. But we are very comfortable. Um, yeah. We really had things set out and done and down, but mm-hmm. the moving when there's not a good reason why we have to move, and in the middle of the week when I need to go to work and all that stuff was a pain in my rear end. Yeah. Most okay. definitely. Cool. Yeah. So. Stuff. Yeah, life, you know? (laughs) Yep, life is interesting. Yeah, Mm -hmm. no, I wouldn't call it a failure. We definitely learned a lot, and it worked. we were comfortable. Yeah. The cats weren't so much comfortable for the traveling part, Um, but it did, um, we did change up our plans. We were supposed to be on a trip recently, and we decided not to go on it because, again, cats. Right. So today's episode, oh boy, what a doozy. Ooh, this one is bad. 
I I actually I had seen this in an episode of um, Murder Comes to Town. Yes, Murder Comes to Town. Which is interesting because I remember the story being told a really different way. Yeah. And then when I did my own looking into what there were for articles and what have you, and because I'm like, I know this one. Mm-hmm. And it just feels like it's what was portrayed in that show. Again, we've said this before. They, like we do, well, they, they focus on certain, and yeah. they focus on specific things. Right. Um, but like, I don't remember anything about the, uh, uh, wasn't somebody supposedly chatting with somebody else via you know, like yes. a game during this? Yeah. So they were like chatting online. I don't know if it was on a game, but it, they were chatting online. Yeah. 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 So there was a lot that is just a little bit different. I seem to remember them spending a lot more time not knowing who it was in mm-hmm. the TV show than what I think seems to be the timeline yeah, in real life. Yeah, I think they they knew pretty... they the, Rather quickly. He was pretty... He was a pretty quick suspect, I believe. Yeah, because so, he went from... I mean, they had too many coincidences. and So basically, from my anniversary mm-hmm. <laughs> to when he was arrested on October 1st. Yeah, yeah, that's only 10 days. Yeah. They made it sound like it was a year. They did. In the show. Yeah. That's why I was really confused for a while. I was like going over this. I'm like, isn't this that one? And I'm like, wait, yes, no, yes. It is? No, yes. Sorry. Yeah. And I actually watched the episode another two times when doing this just because it is different. Right. It is very different from the things that they. The facts. Right. Yeah. And you would think some of these episodes, they have a little more like they talk to the actual deputies and stuff like that and it still feels very different than what was in the newspaper the timeline that comes out of this right yeah again however they dramatized it because you know you're watching a show and it seems different yes so anyhow so to get into it um we are talking about beast in illinois back to illinois and the gee family and so this is This may get a little confusing, and I'm going to try my best to keep it all straight, Uh, but because there's a lot of people involved here. We've got the Brady Bunch going on. Yeah, so the the family is Raymond, or he was known as Rick Gee, Uh, his wife, Ruth Gee. So Raymond is 46, Ruth is 39, and they are a blended family. She has kids from a previous relationship, he has kids from a previous marriage, and... Mm -hmm. Um, so there's a lot of kids. And they have at least one that's together, right? The three-year-old Yes, they actually theirs? have three together. Okay, so Austin and Jessica are Austin, also theirs. Austin, Jessica, and Tabitha are all theirs. And <laughs> um, so Nicole Gee is Rick's oldest daughter, and that's his daughter from the previous marriage. He also has two sons from a, a previous marriage, but I don't have their names, so I don't... But. Um, and then living with them, they have Justina Constant, she is 16, Dylan Constant, he is 14, Austin Gee, who is 11, then there's Jessica Gee, and she's, I think she's actually 12. Um, right. it, I got varying accounts of her age. age but, but they she, were really close together in age. They were close together in age, and she did not live with them. She lived in a facility in Peoria because right. she had some physical disabilities disabilities and yeah um and then tabitha gee who is three and um also in this scenario we have some additional people i'll get to them later 
Um, so Ricky worked in construction and he was a local handyman. Uh, he was described as a quiet man with a big heart. Um, Ruth was a stay at home mom. Um, everybody said really kind things about them. Everything I read, they were just a very loving family, but they were also very quiet and they kind of kept to themselves. So they were involved in the church and that sort of thing. But yeah, you know, I mean, they, they were busy. They had a bunch of kids. Yeah. That's a lot to deal with that many children. Um, so yeah, so Jessica Gee, the the one who doesn't live with them, she had a brain injury, and that's why she lived in the facility. They right. couldn't care for her. So, um, but I know they did visit her on a regular basis. Right. Um. So September twentieth, two thousand nine. Uh, this was the last time anybody saw the Gees. Um, Ricky and a couple of the children left the house, and then nobody saw them return. September 21st, 2009, the family was found, and it was a bloody mess. Right. Basically, bloodbath is the best way to describe this. Yes. They were brutally, brutally beaten with a tire iron. Yeah. So, it It, was really bad. I mean, here you go with how bad it is. 158 total blows were counted. Now, depending on, you know, again, sometimes this isn't the most perfect with regard to science, because if you have somebody who has really been beaten badly, you might not count one or two of them. Right. Right. And some of them had a lot of blows per person. Yes. Mom and dad. So they were beaten very badly. The killer had attempted to sexually assault Justina. That's the 16-year-old. Yes. I'm trying to help keep this straight because it's know, hard. It is. It's a lot. <laughs> now, Tabitha, the youngest one, the three-year-old, she was found alive, but she was in critical condition. So they rushed her to the hospital. Um, one of the neighbors had came out and said he saw a primer gray truck with unique exhaust pipes in the back. And, and what they showed in the show were like those stack ones that come yes. up through the bed. Yeah. I don't know if that was true because I also vaguely remember in the show it was like, it was a red truck with hmm. primer on it. Yeah. So this was Because it, it sticks in my head. Primer gray. Um, I could be wrong, but I totally remember the smokestack looking. Yeah. And that is what they showed in the show. For right. For sure. Um, they didn't really describe what unique meant, but... You right. know, they basically said there was unique exhaust pipes. So. Right. And, I mean, having been from rural Illinois, <laughs> mm-hmm. I can imagine. It probably had a lift kit on it, some other stuff going on, and the primer gray because they ran out of money and they hadn't gotten around to the paint job. Right. Because if you want a good paint job, by the way, that stuff's expensive. Yeah. Those Mako commercials, that is not a good paint job, mm-hmm. FYI. So I didn't know if you when you wanted me to come into my geography lesson. We this can wait we can. or yes, me and geography like always. <laughs> so Beeson, like I said, is an unincorporated census designated place in Orin Township, the county of Logan in Illinois. So the town is about um, a mile south of Illinois Route 10. And it's when you look at it on a map, it is about as smack dab in the middle of the darn state as you can get. Mm-hmm. It's really, really much. I mean, it's so center. Um, at the 2010 census, Beeson had a population of 189 people. 
So definitively Very small. small. <laughs> and I found that the population actually decreased to 139 mm-hmm. as of this year. So they are very much in a population decline. Um, yeah. It is a nearly 100% white um, makeup of those county. I mean, I think I saw like 99 and 99.6. So yeah, lots of, uh, it's primarily farming area. Um, so Beeson was actually established in 1872 by a guy named Silas Beeson. Imagine that. <laughs> um, he founded it as a stop on the Havana, Lincoln, and Eastern Railroad. Obviously, this is also a common theme. Mm-hmm. Um, it's now part of the Illinois Central Railroad. The first store in Beeson was a grocery store opened by Berryman H. Pendleton, who later became Beeson's, Beeson's first postmaster. And a school was built in 1893 and a Methodist church built in 1904. That, what I just read, plus an insert about um, the murders, is all that's in Wikipedia (laughs) about (laughs) the wiki entry for this town. And actually, the murder takes up, like, two times the characters of what I just read. Yeah. And so that's that's pretty... uh, pretty small yeah or in township so since it's so little of like well let's get some more information because it's this really tells you how desolate this area is mm-hmm. so that township that this uh, beeson is part of is um its population is 378 mm-hmm. as of 2010 so most of its population was in beeson and then you're like well holy crap how big is the county the county actually only had 30,035, 305 people in 2010. So it's really, really small. The county seat being Lincoln. Yeah. Of course, we think of Lincoln, we think of Nebraska, but the town of Lincoln. all went to school in Lincoln. Yes. So, yeah. It's It's all right there. There, It's not the largest, well, the largest county is Henry, but Mm -hmm. um, we know that because we grew up in it. But it's it's not a tiny county. It's just very, very um, rural. Yeah. Um, yeah, I found it. There were also interesting words uh, that I learned in this. Logan County comprises, comprises of the Lincoln, Illinois, micropolitan statistical area. I can even not say that. <laughs> um, so I was like, what the heck is that? That's a new phrase to me. Yeah. Uh, turns out it's pretty new. So that explains it. It started to grow in use in the 1990s and actually became an official thing in 2003. So the United States micropolitan statistical areas, as defined by the Office of Management and Budget, didn't realize I was going to talk about o- OMB here, are labor market and statistical areas in the United States centered on an urban cluster with a population of at least 10,000, but fewer than 50,000. Hmm. There, it was created in 2003, like I said, um, uh, like better known statistical areas than micropolitan areas, a geographic entity used for stats purposes based on counties and county equivalents. And it ha- OMB has identified 543 areas in the United States. So basically, um, they started using it, talking about these clusters of areas in the 90s, to talk about these uh, clusters that weren't really near cities. Hmm. That was the whole point, is if you're more than 100 miles away from a city, why would you be calling yourself part of Springfield? Right. Right? So mm-hmm. that's that's why they decided to name this thing. I'm like, oh, I learned something new. Interesting. I, I had no idea. <laughs> and Lincoln is a 
the only town named thus that was actually named after Abraham Lincoln before he became the president. Oh. So um, it was officially named on August 27th, 1853. Um, He assisted with the platting of the town and worked as counsel for the newly laid Chicago and Mississippi Railroad, which led to its founding and asked to participate... He was asked to participate in the naming ceremony of the town. On this date, the first sale of lots took place in the new town. 90 were sold at prices ranging from $40 to $150. And according to tradition, Lincoln was present. At noon, he purchased two watermelons and carried one under each arm to the public square, where he invited Latham, Hickox, and Gillette proprietors um they were both uh, proprietors of the space um they joined him and said now we're christened this new town squeezing watermelon juice out on the ground <laughs> legend has it when they had proposed to him that the town be named for him he had advised against it saying that in his experience nothing bearing the name of lincoln ever amounted to much <laughs> so <laughs> um yeah like i said it was the first one to be named after abraham lincoln while he was a lawyer and before he was president the population was 13,288 as of the 2020 census. Hmm. Um, other little things about that area, the median income for Beeson is 24000 a year. That's like if you worked a full-time job earning $11.50 an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, for like that 2080 is supposedly the number of hours you make as a full-time person. Median home in, uh, price was 64000 and the cost of living is uh, roughly 32% less than the U.S average Hmm. so true to a small town it's relatively inexpensive people can live there easily Mm -hmm. so back to the case and so what we've talked about so far is that this family ricky his wife ruth and the kids a number of their children (laughs) yes justina dylan Dylan, austin and and Tabitha tabitha were all found in the house hit Horribly <laughs> by a tire iron. 158 times. Yeah. Wow. So their number one suspect was um, Christopher Harris. Now, he was married to Nicole Gee. That's Rick's the oldest, oldest daughter. daughter. Um, they had they had kind of like an on-again, off-again relationship. They right. were married for a time. They had two kids together. They ended up getting divorced. Um, I think one of the kids came after the divorce, and then they kind of got back together, but then split up again. And um, Chris Harris was, I don't know, something. He he was kind of one of these people who it seemed like he would do well for a little while, and then he'd slide back into doing drugs drinking and i mean it's pretty technical of the abuser yeah like my my dad was um into drugs and basically when he wasn't on them he was a great guy Mm -hmm. people got along with him um he would help everybody yeah but when he was drinking slash using drugs mm, big not so much right and they had mentioned in her court the court filings in 2007 grounds of mental cruelty had been Mm -hmm. proven right and whether or not somebody abuses, um, people who abuse drugs and alcohol aren't always physical abusers, but they definitely tend to be more the psychological abusers. Right. And so around this time, um, 
Terry Miller, who is Dylan's sister, they have the same father. Uh, she had moved to Illinois to spend time with him. And the reason I bring her up is because for a while, I guess, there was suspicion that Dylan had done all of this. Right. And Dylan is one of the folks, the 14-year-old yeah, yes. who's passed away. Yeah. So Terry later moved to Maryland. Huh, Maryland. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> Dylan was supposed to go out for her wedding. Um, so. Yeah, this just gets there's There's a lot going on here. All these so family I'm going to try and keep it all kind of straight. But um, so Nicole had filed for divorce from Chris in 2006. Like Tara said, um, the court found that there were grounds of mental cruelty and they dissolved the marriage. Um, now there's another person. <laughs> yeah. Chris's brother, uh, Jason, happened to be uh, hanging out with Chris the night of the murder. Right. And when they were interviewing people, Jennifer, who is Jason's girlfriend, and Sarah, who is Jennifer's mother, um, they were lying for Jason. They basically. provided an they alibi. Per- yeah, they provided a false alibi. So both Chris and Jason ended up being arrested for the murder. And Jennifer and Sarah were charged with the providing the yeah. false al- alibi. Um, and then so Jennifer and Sarah ended up getting 24 months of probation. But not actually thrown in jail. Right. So, April 30th, 2013, the trial begins against, um, this was actually against Chris. Um, so... And again, Chris is Nicole Gee's ex-husband. Ex-husband. And his brother is Jason. So, the two of them have been charged with the murder of the family. And um, the charges of sexual offense against... of Justina were dropped. Um, I think it was a situation where they just didn't have enough evidence. They to wanted really... to provide the strongest. Yeah. Uh, they basically, they dropped uh, 30 of the four, 48 counts because right. basically they wanted to come up with the strongest counts. Right. Because it, you can get really lost in the weeds if well, you don't. Well, and that was a lot of counts. I yeah. mean, 48 counts, <laughs> it it's a lot to try and prove. So right. they they were, yeah, like you said, they were trying to find the strongest case. And so they dropped the, the sexual offense. Um, the defense went out to prove that Chris went to the house in search of marijuana and that he wanted to hook up with Justina, who, again, is only 16 at this yeah, time. She's so. just a little one, people. And she also had some mental learning um, disabilities. And so the fact that he's... Predator. Uh, yeah. yeah, that sounds a little ew. Yeah, very ew. And I mean, not to mention, it's also his okay, sister's younger ew. sister. <laughs> or his wife's, his wife's younger, younger sister. Yes. Yeah. Yikes. Yes. Sorry. Or ex-wife. Ex-wife. We can keep this yeah. straight. It's Sorry. It's a lot. Um, so the pre- prosecution set out to prove that he walked into the murder scene and killed Dylan in no, self-defense. That's the defenses saying that, not the prosecution. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Chris's defense was that he walked in on the murder. Yes. 
and um, Dylan was killing his family, and he killed Dylan in self-defense. Yeah, sorry, my notes. That's all right. Um, No, no, I'm trying to, since we're already confusing. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry about that. Okay. So, basically, they get into trial, and... One of the things I was reading about was these murder scene photos that they showed, and they were gruesome. Oh, I mean, yeah, tire brutal, iron, grisly, gruesome, I mean, and I mean, they at one point they had talked about doing a walkthrough in the house, and the judge is like, no. That's that's too much. I mean, the the jurors were already having a hard time just looking at the photos. Yeah, and I thought I heard some of them threw up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, if you think about a tire and iron, I don't know how many of you these days has had to change your tire. Yeah. But you think about how strong and heavy that metal has to be in order to break the lug nuts off. You know, because I'm not talking about breaking lug nuts. I'm talking breaking them free. Right. uh, If they're a little bit frozen. But... It's really, really heavy. Mm-hmm. It's really, really thin. Mm-hmm. And think about the force with which that would hit somebody and just... Bleh. Yeah. And while a lot of them... I mean, like, I think Rick had the most actual hits. Um, Justina's was, I guess, the worst looking. Right. Um, and that's kind of how they Probably because it. she also looked like she was... Right. Somewhat unclothed because we believe she was sexually assaulted, too. Right. Um, So there was a laptop and a webcam that belonged to Rick, and it was found in Jason's home. And that would be the second person. Chris is the main perpetrator. Jason Jason is is the brother. brother. Um, Shoe impressions and a bloody handprint were part of the evidence. Um, They did link those to Chris Harris. Uh, listening to a recording of Chris talking to police nine days after the murders, a reference to a task force having been to Jason's house about methamphetamine. Um, this ended up stopping the trial for a day because I guess that they didn't have something with it was not okay to talk about. And well, basically, they decided not to include some of it as evidence. Yeah. yeah. So, So, um, and then the tire iron was found in a field outside of Armington, which is where Jason and Chris lived. It's just north of there. I talk about Mm -hmm. a little bit in my next geography course. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Shoes and a wireless internet card provided to be, proved to be Ricky's, and they were found with the tire iron. A blister was found on Chris and presented as evidence oh i'm sure you would create a nice blister Mm -hmm. swinging a tire iron 158 plus times yeah records of ricky's last posting in the early morning of the murders about 12 45 a.m so this is probably where they were talking in the show about um rick chatting with somebody i think that's and i couldn't remember because it sounded like they were talking about a neighbor but really it sounds like it was probably his Uh, daughter justina because the neighbor was supposedly deaf right or otherwise um disabled and now i'm like wait was it his daughter he was chatting with at that hour i don't know Uh, could have been the neighbor but yeah um and i thought it was dylan they talked about in the show not rick well, and that's where yeah, some of the show stuff gets confusing. It's like, I didn't, and that's where I didn't include a lot of it. Right. Because I was like, I don't find any. It doesn't sound the same as what we found in the records. Right. Right. 
Now, um, you can't be sure who was actually posting. Right. It was somebody with their internet card was posting as of 1245. Yeah. So when Chris was being looked at, they noticed that his shoes were actually the same shoes, but a different size um, than the ones that they, the footprints. The and house. so, well, we'll get to that later. Interesting. <laughs> The night of the murder, the two brothers spent about three hours at Tweaker's Bar. Um, in Stanford. <laughs> I love this place. That's, it's not a Tweaker's Bar. No, it's, it's named, named Tweaker's. Yeah. Um, so witnesses stated that they didn't seem too intoxicated when they left. <laughs> I love um, that. Define too intoxicated. Yeah. I don't know what that means. Uh, the shoes examined of the brothers couldn't be confirmed or denied as those in the shoe prints at the murder scene. But that's probably yeah. because the shoes actually were the wrong size. Well, so, so did he go out and he, buy a different pair of shoes? Yes. What, so what he did was he threw away the, the, the shoes, shoes that he wore because those were wore. in the field. Correct. And he went and he bought a sh the same exact shoes, but a half a size larger in order sorry, to sorry you can't see my face yeah <sighs> that was his idea of how he was going to get away with it um yeah mm -hmm. nice try bro uh-huh so chris's fingerprints were found in the house which i mean he is their son-in-law kind of ex-son-in-law ex whatever they're on again off again son-in-law <laughs> <laughs> And so it's not... He had okay. reason to be in the house yeah. before. Um, based on the blood patterns, uh, Ruth and Rick were moved um, after they were, they were killed. killed. Yeah. Um, Ruth, Rick, Austin, and Dylan were found close together in the master bedroom. Justina was found in her room. Tabitha was found in her and Austin's room in a closet. And when she was found, she was in really poor condition. They actually thought she was dead. Yes, they did. And paramedics had a hard time inserting an IV. Um, it took her a long time to recover. She has made a full recovery, though. Yes. Um, Very glad to hear that. Yeah. Yeah, no, they basically, they. The, I've read an accounting of the, the police officer that found her, and they just they picked her up real fast and just... Mm -hmm. get her out of here let's get her to the hospital right away yes and yeah he yeah. cried telling that story again oh, on the yeah. stand it's yeah um this this whole thing was just brutal and i keep saying that but it was um so may 15th jason actually testified against chris he claimed that chris wanted to have sex with justina and that he waited in the truck during the murders Chris had three failed attempts to get with other women earlier in the night. So he was rejected, rejected, rejected. And, and darned if this 16-year-old was going to... Yeah. Cocaine and drinking alcohol. And, you know, then, yeah, this 16-year-old who... I don't know if he thought she was flirting with him or something. I mean, she was, she was a kid. And, you know, he just wanted sex and drugs you know um so yeah because chris asked jason if he'd noticed justina was checking him out mm -hmm. at some other time 
<sighs> so Chris took a tire and iron and he headed into the house. So this tire iron that he took was from, from his, from own, his own truck. Vehicle. And went inside and Jason said he heard a loud thump and a scream. Jason hid behind a tree where he saw someone looking out the window. He heard Dylan come outside and call Chris his nickname, which was Bubba. Chris hit Dylan with a tire iron while while Dylan pleaded, Chris, stop, please stop. Jason heard multiple blows, more than he could keep up with. Well, no shit, 158. Sorry, I'm going to keep that number in my head because that's just wow. Yeah. As Chris walked away from the house, he said to Jason, I fucked up. I killed them all. Yeah. 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 (laughs) On the way back home, he said he hoped none of them woke up that none could point their finger at him. Um, Yeah. So. So, Wow. Yeah. I mean, high on cocaine and drinking. Yeah. So. Drug use in rural Illinois. Hmm. Obviously, it's kind of bad. I think it's pretty typical of rural places there being a little higher drug usage than in non-rural. And that's, I've got a lot of stuff here, and I I got rid of a bunch of what I had picked up because there's just so much information. Essentially, I had looked at, um, because we had mentioned Tweaker, I'd mentioned, I went into a little bit about meth. Um, Cocaine is... um, Opioids are still the number one killers, Mm -hmm. but meth uh, is probably the thing for which most people get arrested. Mm. Um, And even even with pseudoephedrine being taken off the shelves, they can still buy it because you actually are tracked. Like when you buy it, if you buy it for whatever reason, your name gets associated with it. So they can see if you've got lots of people, at least in Illinois, Mm -hmm. apparently neighboring States don't do the same thing. So like, I think it was Missouri is the one they mentioned in here. But anyhow, so let's start with some of those locations. I'll just do a real quick geography lesson here. So Armington is a little bit to the North in a County called Tazewell County, and it's closer to Peoria. Mm -hmm. It's a village of some 368 people. Woo. Stanford is the east of Armington, so both are north of Beeson. Mm-hmm. It's another village in McLean County. Its uh, population is 596, mm-hmm. and it's uh, part of the Bloomington Normal metropolitan area, so that can kind of, for you, that gives you some edification of what we're talking about. Right. So um, meth use made up about 2% of drug treatment episodes in Illinois in 2012, surpassed by things like heroin, alcohol, marijuana, and cocaine, Mm -hmm. according to a report by the Roosevelt Consortium on Drug Policy. Still, the number of meth lab incidents in Illinois increased by 53% between 2010 and 2014. Hmm. So they're just, I mean, it's easy to cook. And then also Mm -hmm. now, apparently, this is one of the areas I kind of like scrubbed out of it. There's a lot that's coming up from Mexico and powder form and then just getting cooked on site. That makes it cheaper. Well, and I remember right before my parents moved um, from Illinois to Arkansas, that mom had been on a jury and it was for a meth related case and she when it was all done she was like yeah i learned how to make meth (laughs) isn't that lovely well and they go and steal propane and what have you and that's actually how the durickies lost their barn Mm. the barn uh because people 
weren't being safe about their methods of, uh, you know, draining the propane into their other tanks and mm. blew them up and burned down their, their barn. Mm. So that sucks. Yeah. So, uh, basically heroin is the number one problem, but meth is up there. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was from the supervisor of Springfield drug enforcement agency. It's just as bad as cocaine and some of the other drugs that are coming through. Um, this woman named Paula Campbell founded the Macopin County anti-meth coalition in 2003. Uh, she said the reason for establishing the coalition was to replace missing state funding. Um, she wrote letters to the Illinois attorney general's office to support the bath passage of that 2008 methamphetamine methamphetamine precursor control act, which is that thing that, um, limits access to pseudoephedrine, which is a key ingredient to meth. Um, but now when you bring it up in powder form from Mexico, you don't need the pseudo, you don't need the pseudofed. Right. Um, I mean, you can still order it online, go to Missouri where purchase aren't purchases aren't tracked or of course i mean get stuff from mexico but the law has helped a bit it's meth is mostly a problem in rural illinois i guess that's why stanford decided to be so cool to market their bar towards tweakers (laughs) that's just awesome so most meth lab incidents are in southern or central illinois and that's for missy's sake i uh Mm -hmm. printed off this map of illinois and you can see that mclean county is one of the high uh, arrests location. So between 164 and 570 arrests per 100,000 people in the population in McLean. Maybe that's why they decided to call it tweakers. Maybe. But <laughs> there's uh, Sherry Crabb. She's the executive director of Family Counseling Center, a nonprofit that provides mental health services in Southern Illinois, said meth has tied to econo- economics. Of the seven counties they serve, four had unemployment rates above 9% last year, and the other three were above 7%. One of those counties, Union County, has continually had one of the higher rates of meth lab incidents. Um, Like I said, McLean was up there. Logan actually has a very low Hmm. method. That's where Beeson is. But you see, they came down there from the more methy areas. Mm -hmm. Um, So in rural communities like Macopin, Waste from former meth labs and waste from active meth labs present a danger to the community. She said the problem is so bad that some Boy Scout troops stop cleaning up roadside trash because anything might be a toxic byproduct of a meth lab. Yeah. And it's sad because that is sad. now we have more trash along the road. Yeah. And yeah. that, ugh, it's just, yeah. Anyhow. So, um, like, again, I said before, most people have turned their attention to the opioid crisis. Illinois has seen a resurgence of meth uh, misuse and related offending, um, particularly in the rural areas. Um, It has steadily increased, and this one's from 2011 to 2017. So, um, but it's just not as deadly as the other ones. So you Mm -hmm. don't hear about people dying of a meth overdose. There was another lovely little graph I found that meth is like the lowest on the what people are going to die from from these different drug usages but it's still not Hmm. that great yeah and so I decided to go into a little bit of a so (laughs) (laughs) what is tweaking and I I had a little bit of entertainment um so one thing was a rather nice um more dictionary expression of what tweaking it is Uh it's an expression that comes from uh, the hyper focus that some people who abuse powerful stimulants like amphetamines or methamphetamine experience they'll get engaged 
and some sort of activity for extended periods of time, like tinkering with things or repeatedly assembling and disassembling things, hence the tweaking for them, or tweak meaning just because tweak itself just means to adjust, adjust pinch, prod, or poke something. Hmm. But this is seriously hyper-focus, as this one guy said, for the most part, tweaking will involve mechanical repetitive actions, but you never really know what's up until you've waited for your friend for the past three hours, only to find him taking all of his watches apart and putting them back together in a way that makes sense. Hmm. So you're talking hours. And then somebody else was saying, like, it's tweak because it's two weeks. Once you've done your, uh, you've gotten high, you won't sleep for the next two weeks. Mm. So, yeah. They also had talked about looking to get pot from the house. And I'm just like, do I talk about my dad again? Because mm. there was a rope factory, a hemp factory in Kiwani. And that's why... Um, Hemp was pretty common. Ditchweed mm-hmm. was what he grew. Um, our Sunday and drives included looking at his crops. Mm. Lovely. And when we moved from Kiwani, we had to get a friend's uh, family member who was in law enforcement to um, dispose of the big old trash bag mm. <laughs> in the rafters of our garage. Mm. Like, oh boy, you know that those bad cigarettes in TV shows? Yeah, that's <laughs> what's in my garage. Awesome. So, um, at this point, Chris is on trial. You know, they've had um, some witnesses who have talked. Um, one of the big witnesses against him is his brother, brother Jason. Who was there, just Jason stayed out in the was there. He vehicle. stayed outside. And um, so, after Jason testified, you know, he, of course, gets cross-examined. And one of the things that they brought up is the fact that he lied several like times. a whole bunch of times. And he freely admits he lied. He, he, he basically said, yes, I did. I lied multiple times. Um, well, because, of course, he didn't want to get caught. Right. He didn't want his brother caught, even though he did horrible things. Right. Um, he claims he told the truth in court. He said he never asked Chris why. Um, blood found matching Ricky was found in the truck. Blood matching Ruth was on the laptop. Blood matching Dylan was on Chris's shoe. So they found plenty of evidence. Lots of physical evidence. Um, Christy Moore of Clinton had an on-again, off-again relationship with Chris. He called her the night of the murders asking to come over and she turned him down. So that's girl number one who turned him down. Um, so the next day she saw him and he had a blister on his hand. She offered to bandage it for him. Lori Cool, Cool, I don't know how to pronounce yeah. it, uh, saw Chris <laughs> about 11.35 as he knocked on her door wanting to have some fun. He was not invited in. So That'd that's number two, number two that turned him down that night. Laura Hagerman received a phone call from a number she believed to be Chris's, but she didn't answer. So even though she didn't talk to him, she rejected him. You know, somebody who has been rejected three times, he's high on drugs. He, yeah. And then he goes over to this house thinking he's going to go have sex with a 16 year old. Um, gross. Very gross. Um, so Tabitha, her injuries were very severe. She had a skull fracture. Uh, she had to have part of the skull removed to allow the, for the brain swelling, and then they replaced it 
later on when she right. was healing. Uh, her right ear was nearly severed. She had broken bone in her right hand, believed to be a defensive wound. Um, Ty Klein, who was an inmate sharing um, a cell with Chris, stated that Chris confessed committing the murders to him. Uh, he, Chris took the stand in his own defense. He claims he went to the Gee House to purchase marijuana from Rick. He says... Uh, Jason's claim that he wanted to have sex with Justina was a lie. He would not do that. She's family, 16, and mentally disabled. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think that would stop him. No. Um, he denies taking the tire iron into the house with him. Uh, the defense presented their case and pointed the finger at Dylan Constant. Uh, he claims that Dylan murdered the family, Rick, Ruth, Justina, and Austin, and then he said that the tire iron was on the floor when Dylan came at Chris with a kitchen knife. Now, he had no injuries with a knife. None. Right. So this this isn't adding was up. Was there even a knife? Just, I don't I don't think they think found a they knife found at the scene. That's no. why it was so easily refuted. Right. And um, they claimed that Dylan should have gone to see a psychologist, but the family couldn't afford it. Um, school records contain 248 referrals for behavioral issues. Therapist Olivia Mancina uh, testified that she saw Dylan in 2007 for his aggression towards his siblings and trouble in school. They stopped taking him around August 2007. An expert on how video games affect children testified that Dylan's exposure to certain video games could have put him at risk for certain behavior. Now, I, I've seen some, some other things about right. um, this kind of thing, and they actually said that it's really not. I mean, um, th- they sit there and try to talk about how um, evil video games are. And if you look at old cartoons, yeah, I mean, they were They're, pretty oh darn violent. Yeah, Tom and Jerry, I mean. Very violent. Yeah. I just happened to watch some the other night. We put it on before we went to bed, and I was like, holy crap. I yes. forgot how violent this stuff is. So that whole thing, I don't, I don't really agree with. And and actually, then. But they, they did come up with some good, um, the ADD and ADHD. Yes. Um, so, you know, um, Dr. Carl Anderson, a professor of psychology at Iowa State University, testified that he had several risk factors for potential violent violence. Um, you know. ADD, ADHD, problems in school, uh, care from poorly skilled parents who were drug users and shared sex partners. That one I was kind of like, really? Um, I'm not aware about that one, but yeah. Interesting. I mean, they did say they were going over for marijuana, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean they're hardcore drug users. Right. And um, cross-examination of Dr. Anderson contained a long list of court decisions containing highly unflattering opinions of his research. (laughs) Nice. But then, on the other hand, several teachers testified that Dylan was doing very well in school. Dylan's coach said he was a good wrestler, he was not aggressive, and he listened well. A lot of people testified that he was a good kid. I mean, ADHD and ADD, I actually go into that a little bit in our next little break. But yeah, if you can focus, get the right medication and focus for Mm -hmm. somebody who has that, you don't have to 
just because you are ADHD does not mean you are going to be aggressive. Right, right. Um, so Nic- Nicole Gee and Chris's daughter were supposed to testify for the defense, but because of a plane delay, they were not able to testify. They were flying in from Florida. Right. Well, that's weird that they wouldn't let them go ahead and testify later. Yeah, I don't know. It's a little know. odd. I mean, it's not like you I don't know go that into their a testimony, plane though, delay would have been yeah, anything. Yeah. yeah, they probably decided not yeah. to bother because it wasn't considered pertinent. Um, so May 31st, 2013, the trial ends. Um, the jury deliberated for only four and a half hours before they came back with a guilty verdict. If that tells you anything, they, I mean, they were sure that's, that's, I mean, there was a lot of, uh, yeah, there was, there was a lot going on here. Yeah. And they had a long time to listen to it all. Yeah. It wasn't like two weeks, maybe a little bit longer than two weeks, I think. So Logan, Logan County Sheriff Steve Nichols said he felt Dylan was vindicated, that he was really the hero for fighting for the family that night. And I think a lot of people felt that way. They were yeah. really kind of upset by Dylan being accused of doing this to his own family. And if Jason has like a, a conscience, can you imagine here being there and not helping when yeah. he... Because I remember, this is something I do remember from the show, is that they there was some blood on the front porch. Mm-hmm. And that basically he'd been whacked at least once on, once on the front porch before being dragged back inside. Correct. Yeah. Oof. So Poor July guy. 19th, 2013, the sentencing hearing began. Nicole Gee stated, and this is Chris's ex-wife. Right. Um, <laughs> you are nothing to me. Or nothing to my babies or me. You are never getting out. So give it up. Remember, you had it all. No, you could have had it all. You're a mess, and that's all you will ever be. Judy Stodgel, who is Ricky's mother, said, You beat my only child at least 55 times with a tire iron. No animal would do that. Your claim that Dylan killed his family is beyond comprehension. Dylan was hit more than 50 times with the tire iron, and then you blamed him for your evilness. I pray you're a dealt with the amount of mercy you showed my son and his family. Tabitha Gee, who was seven at the time, she also spoke. I'm only seven, and it still breaks my heart. I wish you were dead and my brothers and sister and mommy and daddy were alive. Chris Harris was sentenced to five consecutive life terms. Chris said... I made a lot of stupid decisions that night, but I did not commit this crime. That's all I have to say. Judge Drazewski denied Chris's request for a new trial. He also added an additional 80 years to his sentence for first-degree murder, armed robbery, and home invasion. In 2014, the family home was burned by the local fire department. Yeah, nobody was going to live there. Oh, heck no. Yeah, basically they... um... I'm trying to remember the what I read on that one. So it was one of those things. How do you make sure you get training and what have you? And they thought it would be a good tribute to use the property for something good mm-hmm. for a training session for the fire department. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So that whole claim about ADHD and ADD, I mean, so I'm sitting here thinking, so if you've got 158 blows and 100 of them are on Dylan and, and Rick. dad. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. You want to say that Dylan did all this? No. Because that would have been like a hundred some blows that Dylan did. 14 years old. Right. Mm -mm. And not a tweaker. Right. Sorry. 
Because um, they say, you know, you can really... Oh, anyhow. <laughs> so um, ADD and ADHD and violence. It is well established in the research literature that individuals with ADHD have difficulty with what's called executive functioning. How can I get all the way to the gate and realize I don't have my badge? Mm-hmm. Executive functioning. <laughs> <laughs> the processes that reside in the frontal lobes. They enable recall of tasks that need accomplishing, organization to accomplish these tasks, assessment of consequences of actions, prioritization of thoughts and actions, keeping track of time, awareness of interactions with surroundings, the ability to focus despite competing stimuli and adaptation to changing situations. If you've heard of a person who has ADHD who has problems with um, working in a loud office environment, think Mm -hmm. of this paragraph um i personally have never been uh diagnosed but seeing as the majority of my nieces and nephews have some form i'm thinking i'm there not to mention my sister and i have discussed how what we have done with lists and what have you to keep our brains Mm -hmm. straight and yeah while i have not gotten a diagnosis every time i go through there's a handful of interesting people on youtube and what have you who discuss how to go through life as a person with ADHD, they speak to me. (laughs) (laughs) So I found this interesting. So research has identified alterations in the dopaminergic, I can really say this, and yeah, anyhow, those pathways uh, affect people with ADHD. In particular, the areas of the prefrontal cortex appear to be the most effective. Dopamine and norepinephrine Penephrine are the neurotransmitters playing an important role in brain function. Holy crap. <laughs> so the uptake transporters for dopamine and no, no, I can't do this. <laughs> no repinephrine are overly active and clear the, these neurotransmitters from the synapse faster than normal individuals. So it's like basically their brains are firing faster. Mm-hmm. This is thought to increase processing latency and salience and diminished working memory. So um, another thing with people who have ADHD, it's like they can flip, 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 but they can also hyper-focus. So it's really interesting. Um, Now, the ADHD troubles parents, education, educators, child psychiatrists, because about half the children who can't pay attention are also behind the door when the rules of conduct are handed out. In this subgroup, inattention festers into an oppositional hostile defiance and may net them a trip to the nearest mental health professional. If they're not careful, it may land them in the nearest juvenile detention facility. According to a person named Tony Rostein of the Philadelphia Child Guidance Center, it's the kids with the oppositional form of ADHD who develop a real problem with aggression. If you look at kids who present for treatment here in the clinic, probably more than three quarters fall into this category inattentive or hyperactive kids who are pleasant socially and get along with others can be managed. The aggressive kids are harder to manage. This is where it goes back into, you know, they came up with 248 Mm -hmm. issues. Now, was it, they didn't go into detail about why he was in trouble and it could just be because he had, he was fidgeting with something. Right. And from what they were saying, everybody said he was positive socially not Mm -hmm. aggressive right so you can be in trouble for a lot of things at school and it not be aggression right so yeah so hyperactivity is shown as a strong and consistent relationship to violent behavior current research shows that hyperactive children demonstrate high rates of antisocial behavior and 
conduct problems in adolescents. Hyperactive boys have been shown to be significantly more violent than their non-hyperactive male siblings. And association, associations have also been found between measures of restlessness and fidget, fidgetiness in subsequent violence in males. So I'm not going to go through a bunch of this rest of stuff in here because we, we really did go across the fact that he is the more positive and socially get along kind. Right. But um, where are the people, there's this whole thing of a hunger for intense stimulation that seems to be the feeder mm -hmm. for those who are ADHD and violent. So it's almost like their bad behavior, that thrill or danger may focus their distracted and inattentive mind. It's kind of like stimulant medications do, and they actually, and it releases more adrenaline, and it can actually be kind of like a form of self-medication. Mm. I wouldn't call it a good one, though. Right. <laughs> yeah, because, yeah, there was another thing that I found that was British, but they were talking about how many people who were detained who were ADHD, and it was like, it's one of those things. Not all people who are ADHD are going to end up being violent offenders, but a lot of violent offenders have ADHD. Mm -hmm. So that's where that one guy, I mean, his research was not, ref was refuted by a bunch of other people. So, and these really did show a very um, stark difference between the hyperactive people who are um, troublemakers versus the ones who are socially nice, mm -hmm. but still hyperactive and getting in trouble in school, but not getting in trouble to go down the path to being a violent criminal hmm. but anyhow it's interesting yeah that's why i said it's like i really found a lot and i really cut it back and even now i'm cutting back more yeah. of what i found because it's it's interesting research and what i think would be really nice to come from it is more ways to deal with how do we meet people where they are in their lives and identify them and does it have to be a lot of drugs? Some people, I mean, there are people who medicate and people who don't who are ADHD and they talk about the differences mm -hmm. and how they are able to um, function. And sometimes medication as an ADHD person will actually remove their ability to do work as their brain has already been focused on doing. And then they, they have a hard time still doing the jobs that they wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So it's weird. Anyhow. So, um, one thing I think I forgot to talk about was <laughs> the fact that, um, so we've now talked about Chris's trial, and so you may wonder what happened with Jason, his right. brother. So, his brother um, made a deal, basically. Right. So, I think, if I remember right, he got like 20 years. Yeah. Which I remember I'm, seeing that, yeah. I mean, for somebody... He didn't commit the murders. He was there, though, and he didn't do anything to stop them either. And that was one of the so. things that I read. Um, I think it was one of the police officers on the scene were like, they really had wanted him to get more because had he acted. Right. But, yeah, I mean, he was also hopped up on drugs. And, and probably didn't want to get a tire on and swung at his head, too. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I can't. I get it. I don't it. know. It's one of those things where, yeah. There was no good. Right. Exactly. Um, so, Ricky's mother said that he was her best friend and helper. He planned to help her as she aged. He was a talented carpenter. A family member talked about a clubhouse that he built for them. Uh, he was born Feb February 27th, 1963 in Decatur. 
Ruth Ann Constant was born September 11th, 1970 in Lincoln, Illinois. Ruth was a stay-at-home mom who was devoted to her children. She was always kind and never said a bad word about anyone. She loved and cared for people. She enjoyed helping her husband while her children were at school. Rick and Ruth were married in 1997 in Beeson. Uh, Austin Gee was born January 22, 1998. He was described as a caring soul. He loved basketball and dreamed of becoming a better player. Justina Constant was born January 3, 1993. She had an angelic singing voice. She sang in the choir. She was quiet, thoughtful, and took care of her siblings. Dylan Constant was born April 4, 1995, and he was all boy. He loved to ride his bicycle. His sister had said the light in him was so bright. And the family was laid to rest at Leanna Cemetery in Chestnut. Wow. Yeah, this this family, that's, I still can't imagine. Yeah. This goes back to that whole, there's obviously a drug problem in our country. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's drug problems across the world. Yeah. And it, how do we keep people safe from people going on these crazy benders and killing entire families? It's just, ugh. And it just sounds like, I mean, this guy just had one too many rejections and... Well, I mean, that was his excuse. That's what caused his blood to boil. Yeah. He obviously was already a violent person. Right. But yeah, that's just like, really, your excuse for killing an entire family is he was rejected three times, so he's going to go have sex with his ex-wife's teenage sister. Yeah. (laughs) That's disgusting. It really is. Uh, That's one hell of a a reason why he would go to somebody's house. Yeah. Oh, no, I went there for the marijuana. Uh Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Sorry, we both, uh (sighs) uh-huh. He really didn't need to be driving, that's for darn sure. But they they didn't seem to be all that drunk. Right. Sorry. Says the patron of Tweakers Bar and Grill. Of course, I just remembered the the truck thing, and so um, the the gray primer gray truck was Chris's truck. That that's he had that. It was um, I think he hid it in a garage, like right after the murder. So um, and I don't remember what the deal is with the pipes, but yeah, it's just I've seen a couple around here. Yeah. My personal opinion is they look dumb, but yeah, that's my personal opinion. I'm allowed to have my opinion and they can decide it looks really cool. Of course. (laughs) Sorry. I mean, uh, we're car people and I still, it's like, yeah, there's plenty of things that people do to cars that I think are (laughs) pretty silly. Not to mention you've (laughs) just basically taken away the use of the bed of your truck for things like hauling gravel or anything else. Uh, We saw Dodge Challenger yesterday with uh, the wing. No. The flying. (laughs) That just doesn't look right on that car. No. Uh, Well, you know, people do some weird stuff. (laughs) Yeah. 
not it's, not my preference, but you know, hey, you to have each his own. You, you do, do what, you. Yeah, <laughs> do what makes you happy. I know I do what makes me happy. Exactly. So. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it's a thing. Uh, I've known plenty of people. We used to um, that Camaro we had. We really um, added to it and added to it, and eventually it got to a point we put different headers on it, and they were supposed to fit the stock. Mm-hmm. engine yeah no mm-hmm. it affected the steering knuckle so you couldn't really turn mm. um as hard i can't remember if it was to the left or the right and it was just annoying yeah <laughs> you're like yeah. really this does not fit mm-hmm. but anyhow well it is fun to play with vehicles yeah if we had more money and uh maybe didn't live in a townhouse coming up <laughs> we would do that again well you never know what the future holds right exactly so as always Thank you for listening to Nothing Happens in a Small Town, where things do Do happen, happen. and small towns are not the quiet, quaint places you think they are. Oh, most definitely not. Um, You can uh, go to our Patreon page and donate to help us keep going. For another year or so, right? www.patreon.com slash nothing happens in a small town our instagram username profile is nothing Nothing happens in a small town town. twitter username is nothing Nothing happens in a small town at n-h-i-a-s-t our facebook page is nothing Nothing happens in a small town at n-h-i-a-s-t 2021 and gmail again we always listen to you guys yeah we we take your suggestions we have even more suggestions coming up so feel free to send us a note yeah nothing happens happens in a a small town town at gmail.com thank you guys for listening thank you bye bye